When he's not leading tours of his Scottish homeland, you can often find James McCletchie with a camera in his hands. Scotland has a special beauty and a special light, and as a photographer, he knows how to catch it. James, or Seamus in Scottish, joins us in the studio now with his tips for capturing the ambiance, the culture, and the landscapes of Scotland in photographs. James, thanks for being here. Hi, Rick. Love to be here. Boy, you live in one of the most beautiful corners of the world, the islands off of the west coast of Scotland, the Hebrides. And when I think about it and when I look at your photographs, it must be just perfect if you love photography. Describe your homeland and how that relates to your photography. My homeland's an incredible environment of changing light, changing color. Uh, You're absorbed into nature every time you go out. And the greatest thing about being there is the challenges of trying to capture something that most people don't see whether it's in the rain, whether it's the huge ocean waves. Recently, I had waves there that were over 18 meters high after a storm. I was the only one on the beach. But sometimes you have to take that risk and that challenge to yourself to go out and do it. But then another days after storms are gone by, you get these incredible shades of light that come from the heavens as if it's just pinpointing little things for you to look at. We call them the silver jewels uh, of the earth. And you see these shades coming from the clouds and they illuminate little bits of the landscape. And trying to capture that mood with a camera is really quite challenging. Um, And for me, it's really a battle between the alter ego of of nature that I try to capture. There's this constant challenge with nature banging on the shore. In the winter, the colours are a lot more muted. And how do you transform that colour from the darkness of the winter into something kind of special? So I try and, and create images that are really surreal, that sometimes you will look at that image and you'll think, my God, there's no way that could ever have been but it depends on the camera settings, it depends on everything else. And every time I go out, I learn something new about the camera and about how to process. So it sounds like you need to be both a poet and a technician. You have to have the gear and know how to use it. It's very difficult. At times I started off with very small cameras and I always try to maximize the opportunity where I could take a picture. But as I gradually learned the processes, I realized that I had to get more expensive equipment. I had to go and do different things. But it is quite technical, um, but it's also very abstract as well. And one of the greatest things to me is how do you frame a shot and give a composition? You've got to draw somebody into that shot. You've got to make them wander with you on the journey right through the picture. And that, for me, is fascinating. Sometimes you do it without thinking. And then other times it is a thought process. It It is a deliberate process that is there. What are some dimensions of Scotland that you want to capture in your photography for other people to appreciate? When I look at Scotland, we reinvented our own history uh, after Culloden. Uh, And the images of Scotland were this romantic image, this misty image, the glens, the beautiful darkness, the beautiful moods, the ambience and the tranquility that is always there. And all around Scotland, we have that in abundance. Scotland, if you're in a city like Edinburgh or Glasgow, you could be there for weeks, for months, just photographing that. And the challenge for most photographers is all we ever see is sunny pictures of places, but the moods of the rain, when the lights come on in the streets, when you look at the top from Carlton Hill down onto Princess Street, and you just catch the last glint of the sun Mm -hmm. over Edinburgh Castle. Mm. If you're there in that moment capturing it and everybody else is walking around you they're not seeing it they're moving from it you there are absolutely absorbing it and also one of the things as well in cities is going down closes and things like that you can remove the people by a process within the camera 
in the same shot so you can actually get the clear streets. So the camera is this amazing magical tool that creates this incredible surreal uh, environment for you. The camera is almost a blessing because it helps sharpen your eyes to see things that the typical tourist can't see. Yeah, and also light. I love northern lights. I'm one of those people who chase the northern lights. Yeah. Now, the northern lights come in different times of the year. Oh. What, are you, what light are you looking for? Because we have the, the magic hour, we call it. We have the magic hour. We have the blue hour, as we call it. And the problem with most people when they do photography, we do, they do it in midday time when the sun's at its highest. Yeah. The light is totally glaring. Yeah. Most photographers will go out early morning. They'll go late afternoon. You'll stay till dusk. You'll try and capture the sun. Yeah. But one of the interesting things that I found this year was about darkness. And I was out to the guide and they taught me to do light painting with the camera. And I asked them to tell me what darkness was. And they said, there's no such dark thing as darkness, only darkness in the human soul. And when I came home from that trip, I started to go out into my own darkness and trying to bring in beautiful light and break and split the dark. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with James or Seamus McCletchy. And James is a photographer and he happens to be stationed in a place that would be just a delightful place for a photographer to live, Scotland. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and Preston's calling in from Austin in Texas. Do you have an experience with photography in Scotland? Yeah, well, I I don't, but I actually am looking for some tips. Um, I I really enjoy uh, architectural and landscape and wildlife photography, and one of the things on my bucket list is to visit the Isle of Skye. Um, my, my family's lineage can be traced back to there, and so I've always wanted to go and visit. In addition to that, I want to go and see the puffin migration. So I didn't know, I uh, wanted to get your tips on maybe the best times to visit to maybe see the best of uh, what Scotland has to offer um, in, in nature, um, but also in anything you might be able to offer uh, in terms of seeing the puffins and, and how to make that a success as a photographer. All right. Thanks, Preston. Uh, so, James, sure. uh, first of all, the Isle of Skye, great place for a photographer. Oh, my God. Skye is a journey into this amazing landscape. It's almost, it's, it draws you in every angle. And the first thing with Skye, you come to the Skye Bridge. You look at the Skye Bridge, that connection from the mainland to the island. And it's as if you're going on this magical journey there. There's the mountains behind it. You then head into Skye. A lot of people talk about the fairy, the fairy pools. Uh-huh. Uh, you can go down to Glen Brittle. You take a walk out this pathway, and suddenly these pools begin to appear. And the higher up you go, the more beautiful and absorbent the colors become in those pools. There's waterfalls there, depending on the time of year. You head out. Uh, and by the way, that's a short walk from the car park. It's a very right? short walk, So yeah. this is important. you got to walk, but you don't need to walk miles. Sometimes you just walk 5 or 10 or 15 minutes, and you get to these amazing places where you're in tranquility and you're away from the road. And the, the other thing about sky as well, as you're coming through sky, there is so much to absorb. Uh, in the summertime, if you go up there in June, July, you've got 18 hours of daylight. So as a photographer, you've got this magical time to play around with. You've got, uh, you go out into Slickachan, there's these amazing backdrops. And one of the things that I've found is really important to try and do is things like long exposure where you're talking to, if there's a movement in the wind, you're getting the clouds coming over there, they're sort right. of uh, line themselves up. Everything is really beautiful. Heading out onto the west coast of Sky, you're looking out towards Rum. And the best place that I've ever found for photography... Looking photog- out towards Rum, that's an island. It's an island just nearby, off the yeah. coast. And there's a little uh, road that you go down to Yalgal. Mm-hmm. And there's a boat there called the Bella Jane. And they'll take you to what I call the place where angels rest before they go to heaven in a place called Karushk. 
and you climb a little ladder there and you come into this beautiful backdrop of the Cullen Hills of Sky. Oh. And there's this amazing, magical uh, loch down below it. And when you set the camera up there and you can put yourself in the pose because Turner went here at one time and painted a painting. The great English painter the, Turner, the romantic yeah. painter. This to me was the greatest journey I ever did. I spent 20 years trying to go to Karushk and when I went there, I totally felt I'd come to heaven. Now you were talking about puffins. Puffins start to arrive off the west coast of Scotland around about the 10th of May. Mm-hmm. Um, so any time from May right the way through to the second week in August today. But I would go... Uh, May, June, July. The best islands to go for puffins is St Kilda. You can go up to Orkney as well. But if St Kilda is a top destination to go if you want to see uh, all the seabirds, gannets, bonksies, everything like that. There's one million seabirds there. St Kilda, that's way far away. 41 miles into the Atlantic. Out in the Atlantic. You go through the Hebrides. But Orkney itself is incredible. Orkney's Uh, great. Staffa. Staffa is incredible as well. So if you go, all the tourists go to Iona and then you extend on to the next island, which is uninhabited, Staffa. And I was blown away by the bird life there, including the puffins. And the puffins will sit almost next to you. You can almost pat them. uh, And you can use a small camera. Uh, This is a great thing about Scotland. You don't necessarily have to have the big equipment. But if you're on a journey, I would give myself two weeks to just start going to sky and into that. You need time when you're a photographer. Yeah, you can't you just run it. It's just not click, click, click. You Because I, when I look at your photographer, I think this is a man that's got photography as his priority, and that's chasing the light. Preston, thanks for your call. Thank you. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with James McCletchie about his photography in Scotland. And his website is jamesmcclecheephotography.com. And it's spelled M-A-C-L-E-T-C-H-I-E, jamesmcclecheephotography.com. Our phone number is 877-333-7425, and Walter's on the line from Epping in New Hampshire. Walter, thanks for calling. Well, thank you for taking my call, Rick. I, what are your yes. thoughts about photography in Scotland? Well, uh, we had the um, lucky chance to go up to Scotland, and uh, my uh, grandmother is a, was a Scot, and uh, her folks were from around the uh, area of Glen Nevis. So when she passed away, we decided to, to go as a family over there to, to visit, and uh, spectacular country, absolutely beautiful. Uh, we had a chance to go to Edinburgh, all the way up to Inverness, and uh, over to the Isle of Skye, and it was just incredible uh, family vacation. Mm. And uh, we want to go back, and my question for photography is that during a great portion of the time we were there, we ran into some really rainy weather. So a lot of the pictures came out um, dark. Uh, everybody that saw the pictures wanted to know if it ever stopped raining in Scotland. And it, um, what can you do if you go on a vacation and you run into um, overcast and, and, and rainy conditions to, to take photos that stand out and, and, and give an idea of, of uh, well, basically how nice the place looks. All right, Walter, we'll leave that to James here. Well, it depends, of course, what uh, you're using. A lot of the mobile phones today that you use, they have a Pro app on them, uh, and you can adjust the white balance on them, you can adjust the aperture. Uh, One of the things that uh, a lot of people fail to do when they take photographies, particularly in the rain, is how do you capture the raindrops? You have to put a faster shutter speed on there, you increase the ISO. But one of the things that a lot of people don't do is they don't put on the flash 
if you put a flash and illuminate those raindrops coming down there, the whole scene itself starts to take a different mood. Huh. If you then look at when, if you, it depends on the time of day as well you go out. If you go out in the late afternoon and if the street lights are just coming on, you start to get these moody effects, this moody lighting that comes through there. And that really starts to bring out the thing. The biggest problem as well with uh, rain is the colours are very, very dull. So you do have to adjust it there. Remember that most people who are using uh, did the top digital SLRs were shooting in a format called RAW, which is almost like a negative. So you are able to actually adjust uh, when you develop that photograph. But in the rain as well, the most important thing to do is to take something to cover the lens itself, to cover the camera. Uh, and if you're going to do that type of photography, a tripod can sometimes be very useful as well uh, when you, you're doing You know, it. when the sun does come out with a heavy cloud cover, it gives this amazing, powerful color with a dark sky. Oh, yes, and in particular places like Glencoe. If yeah. you're in Glencoe just after a shower of rain, everything has got this sparkle in the grass, the mountains, the rivers are running, and sometimes you get this rainbow that just comes through your shot there that just oh. suddenly adds the color that you want there into it. Also, just wait. Sometimes in, in, in Scotland, we say we've got seven seasons in one day. If you wait half an hour, uh, that picture will come through there. I've done the same thing as you with the, the smaller cameras and things like that. I've gone home and I thought, yeah, I've got a great shot. And then I look at it and it's dark. Pretty dark. Because yeah. we think that when we do our TV show, when it's cloudy, the, the colors don't pop. I like that word pop. And when the sun's out, things pop. But as getting back to that heavy cloud cover, sometimes you kind of go, ah, we've had a long day, put the cameras down, call it good, and then, because it's cloudy, but there's that little sliver of, of open light at the horizon, and when the sun hits that, the whole world just gets like this amazing ray of light that comes in on an angle with the lid on it from all the clouds. Yeah, no, it's, it's beautiful, and it just draws you into it, and that's, for me, the beauty of photography. Photography is an art in itself, but it's the art of celebrating nature. Walter, thanks for your call. Well, thank you, and thanks for the tips. You All bet. right, thank you. Okay. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with James McCletchy about photography in Scotland. Our email's radio at ricksteves.com, and Amy in Royersford, Pennsylvania, emailed us, and she writes, My husband and I visited Scotland last year and took many good photographs, but I realized I only took a few pictures of the wonderful people we met along the way. I caught Scotland's beauty, the landscape, but not its heart. How would you suggest I photograph the people of Scotland? That's a very interesting question. Um, if you stay in the cities, you tend to have the hustle and bustle. Everybody's running around, racing with their lives there, so it's not so easy to capture that. I would start to move into the rural areas, heading mm -hmm. out into places like St Andrews. As you're going along there, you start to see quite a lot of agricultural people in the fields. You start to look at the beautiful blooms in the summer when we've got the crops on top of the fields, the winds blowing, and you see the farmers in the, in the fields. You move further up into the highlands of Scotland, you start to see the sheep, you start to see the red deer, uh, you can start to see that beautiful thing there. And then you get the people working with the dogs as well. Uh, a lot of it is chance. You could be going along the road, there might be a farmer on the road. They don't really mind if you get out and take a picture because that whole scene is something that's a part of your journey. I'm very fortunate where I live because we have a lot of uh, small-scale farms that are out there. I go out and try and capture that industrial look with them trying to do their work in all types of weather. Um, so it's really about going into the remoter areas. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things you could probably do is, in particular in Glencoe like that, you can go out with one of the rangers there and they'll take you into the valleys and you might get some hill walkers walking and standing mm -hmm. on top of the hills. So you've got these incredible silhouettes that we have in Scotland with somebody looking out onto that landscape 
which again is allows you to come back and show that picture. And it almost um, exaggerates the vastness of the landscape when you have a solitary figure silhouetted on it. Yeah, and the greatest thing about the solitary figure is it's the unknown. Yeah. When you take people into a photograph, the interaction between you and what you were originally trying to photograph, the nature, changes. It's a, it brings a totally different balance here. Uh-huh. So you then have to refocus that shot to show that connection from that person in that landscape. And this is where you start to get that incredible joy there. Edinburgh Close is a really fantastic way of catching people as well. Edinburgh? The closest in, down the little... Uh, in Edinburgh. the little alleys. Yeah, because there's the always street. one or two people just walking down there. One nice thing about that is they might not be in the glare of the sunshine. If you get somebody in the shade... It's more evenly lit. It's beautiful, those closes there, and not, yeah. not a lot of people do it. Right. But if you just set up the tripod and you wait and somebody walks down and then they just get to the very end and you've got this beautiful silhouette with the beautiful stonework of Edinburgh all around there. When it's, when it's framed right, yeah. you get the depth, you get the stone, you get the light hitting the stairs, you get the silhouette of those people. It's and the other, the, the other important thing as well is never let weather deter you. Right. Because Scotland, we do have a lot of rain. Right. Look at the water, look at the puddles, look at where people are walking, look for the yeah. shadows of those people coming across that puddle. And then you will have the double shot. You'll have the reflection in the water and you'll have the person as well going through it. And that again draws you into the picture. It creates this amazing ambience. Just break the norm. Too many shots are from eye level with the sun right on somebody and just, you know, it's kind of predictable and boring. I want to just finish with a couple of thoughts. Scotland and tranquility. Where do you find tranquility? Tranquility comes first of all from within. It's how you go out into that environment and how you then absorb that tranquility. Taking the camera out with me then allows me to manifest that tranquility into a hopefully a tranquil scene at the very end. You've got such a beautiful garden of nature that you live in and you've got such a rich culture. How do you connect the culture with the nature through your camera? The culture is is quite easy. Um, I try and uh, place the ancient culture we had as well. We've had a culture goes right away back to 5000 BC, more or less. Mm-hmm. And the past is always present wherever I go. And then if you take those monoliths and put them into the scene, black and white is a very good way of absorbing that uh, part of your culture in there. But also just going to events where people are uh, participating, capturing the mood. Sometimes we forget that people create a mood as well. The smiles, the laughter the jolliness, the dancing. Scotland is an awesome playground for a photographer. James McClutchy, thanks. This is an inspiration. I want to go back to Scotland right now, but first I want to learn how to use my camera better. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, I'm Rick Steves. In my latest book, For the Love of Europe, I share highlights of a lifetime of exploring Europe, my favorite experiences, sights, and encounters in 100 Essays. Order your copy today at ricksteves.com.